It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now. I'm starving. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast, and it is presented today by The Lead. Every weekday morning, the lead will bring you one big story from The Athletic. I write for The Athletic. They're all-star team of local and national sports reporters. I'm not actually a part of this, but it sounds pretty cool. The lead is your daily lens into the biggest stories of the day told by the people who write them. So it's comprehensive reporting, fascinating clips, exclusive interviews. And at the end of this podcast you'll be able to hear a little preview of The Lead. Don't forget to subscribe to The Lead on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to this podcast right now. It is episode two, Joe. Make sure everybody's following Joe on Twitter at FG underscore Dolan, the longtime number one ranked fantasy analyst in the country. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. You can hit me up on social everywhere at Ross Tucker NFL. All right, Joe, let's start episode number two with Daniel Jones and the oh, New baby. York Giants in Tampa to take on the Bucks. Does it change anything, anybody, anything for you? That well, Daniel Jones is the quarterback for the G-Men. Well, it doesn't change anything in terms of who I'm starting. Uh, I think you can take a shot on Sterling Shepard if he's active. He missed last week with a concussion. The guys I really only want to play from the Giants at this point are Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram. Huge disappointment last week from Evan Ingram, by the way. I can't believe uh uh, eight targets. I thought for sure he, uh, Eli Manning was going to utterly pepper him with targets. It just didn't work out for them. The one thing I will say, if you lost Ben Roethlisberger, if you lost Drew Brees, uh, if you were somebody who had Sam Darnold in a deeper league, maybe a super flex league, Nick Foles in a deeper league in a super flex league, one of these uh, just constant injuries, a stream of injuries at the quarterback position, Daniel Jones is more athletic than you think. He was a he was a guy who ran quite a bit at Duke. I think Daniel Jones has a shot to really hold you over until you find a more consistent option at the quarterback position. I think he's somebody, especially uh Ross, I have him I, I picked him up in a league where I have Drew Brees. I want Daniel Jones to hold me over until Drew Brees comes back. Does that mean I'm playing him in DFS this week? his price wasn't as cheap as you thought because I, I think both DraftKings and FanDuel anticipated this was coming soon. So you're not saving a whole bunch of money by playing him. And the Buccaneers defense has been really good under Todd Bowles here for the first couple of weeks. But I think he's somebody in season long you can entertain picking up because he's a good athlete. And I think he's going to give this offense a little bit of life. He's not the athlete Josh Allen is, okay? And he sure as hell doesn't have the arm strength Josh Allen has. But I wonder if there's a mini Josh Allen type of impact here because he's going to run a little bit more than you might think because we have not gotten used to, well, for obvious reasons, we have not gotten used to giant quarterbacks running here over the last 15 years. No, that's for sure. How does it affect any other guys? Anything? 
Uh, like I said, Sterling Shepard, I'll consider here. Uh, I don't want to play any of these other receivers, the Benny Fowlers, the Russell Shepherds of the world. Uh, I want to see Daniel Jones play before I start considering those guys, but I'm still playing Barkley and I'm still playing Evan Ingram. Sterling Shepard, wide receiver three if he plays this week. What about the Bucks in God win we trust? Oh, Ross, am I going to do it again? Am I going to play Jameis Winston as my DFS quarterback against against the Giants who have been air defensively? They've given up two huge games, one to Dak Prescott, one to Josh Allen. I can't convince myself to play Jameis Winston again, can I? Uh, God, I'm definitely going to do it. Uh, but yeah, he Jameis is a DFS option this week. And you understand... If J- if you're playing Jameis, what comes with the territory? But he actually ended up looking pretty good in that Thursday night game, don't you think? Yeah, I I thought he did. Uh, you know, he still takes too many sacks, but at least he wasn't turning it over. I mean, I don't think the Giants are really going to get after the quarterback a whole lot. Uh, the offensive line isn't great for the Buccaneers. The the big one that I need to that we need to figure out here is how does OJ Howard play 92% of the snaps and get zero targets? He was in there to block a lot, but this is a problem here. And Bruce Arians in the past, there's always been this, Oh, Bruce Arians doesn't throw to his tight ends. We all just, we all just wrote that off as hogwash. Well, he's never had a tight end as, as talented as OJ Howard, but a guy, if a guy can play 92% of the snaps and get zero targets, that looks like a problem to me. So am I saying bench OJ Howard? I really don't want to do that against this giant defense. But if you have an option, maybe you picked up Darren Waller. Maybe you picked up TJ Hawkinson. If you have an option, you can do so. Godwin and Mike Evans, though, I know people are panicking about Evans. I wouldn't be. He had eight targets last week, and he played 91% of the snaps. Godwin is the breakout candidate that everybody hoped for, though. He is somebody who is going to be an anchor of DFS lineups this week. I would think maybe with Mike Evans, though, I would pivot to him and think maybe I can get a little bit of an ownership discount and get a little bit of a GPP edge because everybody's going to be obsessed with Godwin in this matchup against the Giants. How about the other 405 game, Panthers and the Cardinals? We record both episodes on Tuesday. Cam did not practice on Tuesday, which would lead me to believe it might be Kyle Allen time. What does that mean? Well, Kyle Allen actually looked all right last year when he was when he was playing. Uh, 20 for 31 for 266 yards and two touchdowns. It's a downgrade for their offense, though. I, you have to you have to downgrade the offense, but I still think DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel are usable as wide receiver threes, um, and Christian McCaffrey is going to get the ball a ton. Look, Christian McCaffrey was a disappointment last week. You start him every week, okay? Um, maybe uh, – I think there's actually a chance that his DFS ownership is down, but Ross, he has played 100% of the snaps in each of the first two games. That That's ridiculous. I don't care who's at quarterback. That's somebody you want in your lineup. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. Anybody else for the Panthers? Uh, Greg Olson has surprisingly looked very spry out there, and there was a little bit of concern here about him with a back injury. He had uh, six catches for 110 yards in on a short week with a back injury. I would think he's somebody Kyle Allen will lean on. He's another guy. Maybe you're disappointed in O.J. Howard's usage. Greg Olson might be somebody you can plug into your lineup, and he might still be available on some waiver wires. I know uh, his ownership was around 60% on Yahoo when we recorded this, so he's somebody you might be able to actually pick up off the waiver wire and start if you're disappointed in O.J. Howard. 
On the other side, you've got the Arizona Cardinals. What's up with Kyler Murray and the boys? Well, Kyler Murray, I think, looks pretty damn good. I think he's going to be good. Uh, at the the What has to happen, though, is Cliff Kingsbury has to figure out this red zone crap because I think it was uh, – I saw a stat that they were the first team ever to end three drives inside the five with field goals while they were trailing. That's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> um Cliff Kingsbury's got to be a little bit more aggressive here. Nobody expects you to win these games, buddy. Why don't you take a risk or two? Um, David Johnson, if you had David Johnson last week and he crushed you because he crushed me too, if you had him, just take a deep breath and thank the stars that he didn't severely hurt that wrist. It was the same wrist that he hurt two years ago that cost him pretty much the entire 2017 season. Just be thankful that he didn't hurt it too bad. Start him again this week. What happened, though, here in week two, the Cardinals did have significant 10 personnel again, which means four receivers and no tight ends. The problem was they activated Michael Crabtree this week. The guy who took the biggest hit was Keyshawn Johnson, the rookie wide receiver. He was down to just 32% of the snaps after playing over 75% in week one, while Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, and Demir Bird played nearly every snap offensively for the Cardinals. Both Kirk and Fitz play the slot. Through two weeks, no wide receiver has taken more slot snaps than either Christian Kirk or Larry Fitzgerald, and they're on the same team. That's 10 personnel in a nutshell, Ross. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's crazy. All right, how about some of the 425 p.m. games? We've got the Mason Rudolph era in Pittsburgh against the Niners. I'm going to ask you a question here. Did it, Were you at all intrigued by the fact that the Steelers traded a first-round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick when they're currently 0-2 and they're starting a backup quarterback? Yeah, I thought that was interesting, but I think they're looking at it the long haul. He's under contract for four years, and I, it, to them, I think it's like they know he's a good player rather than trying to get somebody in the 2020 draft that might be a good player, and they're getting him a year earlier. So I that's kind of how I look I, at it. I do look at it that way too. However, from a, a, a roster-building standpoint, okay, your quarterback is 37 years old who's going to have elbow surgery. There is absolutely no guarantee Ben Roethlisberger is going to make it back from this surgery. What this says to me, Ross, was either A, it was a dumb move made with zero foresight, which isn't really the Steeler way of doing things, or B, they have a lot of confidence in Mason Rudolph. And he came into that game last week against the Seahawks. I actually think he looked pretty good. And if not for, I mean... The Dante Moncrief drop, oh my God. Mason Rudolph put it on his hands and he and he dropped it for an interception. Moncrief snaps, they are they're 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 gone. This is the time now to go get James Washington. Why do I like James Washington? Well, he had a good preseason. He makes some explosive plays. However, how about the fact that he and Mason Rudolph have chemistry together from college? They played together at Oklahoma State. There is built-in chemistry here that we probably don't see a whole lot in the NFL when a backup quarterback's coming into play. I actually kind of like uh, James Washington as a cheaper DFS option this week against the 49ers. That's interesting. All right, anything else on the, on the Steelers we should know about? 
Yeah, keep an eye on James Conner. He's got the knee injury. Uh, he says he's going to play. It looks minor. But if he doesn't play, we know that uh, Jalen Samuels, from his time last year, can go out there and perform. So Jalen Samuels, if you if you guys have – he actually might be a decent flex option this week, uh, even if James Conner plays, because you think they might want to run the football here against the 49ers uh, to get Mason Rudolph comfortable. So Jalen Samuels has a little bit more value this week, even if James Conner plays, than he typically does. One more thing, I think this is going to be huge for Vance McDonald, who scored two touchdowns last week with Mason Rudolph at quarterback. I, I warn people – do not overreact to what happened in week one for Vance McDonald. He comes out and he scores two touchdowns last week. <laughs> All right. What about what about the Niners without Joe Staley? Uh, I w- really wish the Niners would, would give me a little bit more clarity in this backfield. Uh, but they were super effective anyway. Matt Breida plays only 29% of the snaps, but he goes over 100 yards rushing. The problem was he didn't get in the end zone because Jeff Wilson – is uh is uh vulturing him at the goal line. He gets two touchdowns while playing just 21% of the snaps. Raheem Mostert though, he was the guy who I think people might have been really surprised by. I wasn't necessarily shocked, but he fit into I think the role they had planned for Tevin Coleman and he did it spectacularly. I consider Brita and Mostert both RB2 flex type options this week and maybe uh, a cheaper DFS play where people don't really know how they're going to rotate the back so they're scared away. But I wonder if you can get some value with this backfield. Both Mostert and Brita looked explosive in week two. Yeah, I, I, I would I would tend to agree with that. Um, anything else on, on the receivers, speaking of clarity? Uh, yeah, or a lack thereof. Five wide receivers played a snap for the 49ers in week two. Only one of them played more than 50%. That was Marquise Goodwin, who played 51% of their snaps. Now, the the guy I want here in season long is Debo Samuel. He looks like the best of the bunch. Uh, He had seven targets, five catches for 87 yards and a touchdown. He had two rush attempts. He played only 40% of the snaps, but I think he's the classic X of the group. The problem is... If he's the classic X, is he the one that draws the shadow coverage from Joe Hayden? So his matchup's a little iffy this week. Ross, I think Dante Pettis is droppable. 49% of the snaps up from last week, but zero targets. None. Uh, If I I have one of these guys on a season-long team, it's Debo Samuel. That's the guy I want. Got it. That makes sense. All right, let's keep it moving, and we'll get to the next game which is the Saints with Teddy Bridgewater against the Seahawks. I did not think that Teddy looked that great, Joe. Nah, his, uh, his stat line, Ross, was positively Trubiskian uh, against, the, uh, against the Rams here last week. Now, we have to be fair. He, he didn't get ready to play. But look back to week 17 from last year when he did get ready to play. I thought he looked, like, I thought he looked bad in that game, too. 17 of 30 for 165 yards. Maybe things get a little bit better against this Seahawks secondary that really is not all that good. The front seven, though, is nasty. So this is a bad matchup uh, uh, for Teddy in terms of the pass rush. Um, uh, Andrus Pete got hurt last week, so that's somebody you got to keep an eye on. I don't think it's a good matchup at all for Latavius Murray. Kamara was a massive disappointment last week. I would downgrade him a little bit. Not that you're benching him, but maybe you don't load up on him in DFS here uh, against the Seahawks. And the problem with Teddy as a quarterback streamer 
is I think the injury to Drew Brees now gives Sean Payton all the more incentive to use that Taysom Hill package. And maybe there's a chance Hill comes in and sparks them and they go away from Teddy. So Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, of all the, the new starting quarterbacks this week, I'd probably have them only above like Luke Falk on my list because that Taysom Hill package, I think could be a big thorn here for him. Uh, and, and it could hurt his bottom line. Even if you think, well, they got Michael Thomas and they got Kamara and they got Jared cook. So they got some talent here. I think that's problematic here for Teddy Bridgewater's fantasy upside. It's kind of how I was looking at it in terms of the Taysom Hill thing. What about on the, uh, the Seahawks on the other side? Yeah, the Seahawks have been really kind of disappointing here uh, offensively, at least on the ground. Uh, Rashad Penny's the guy who busted off the long run. And how about C.J. Proceis getting five opportunities, Ross? Did you know he was still in the league? <laughs> no. I mean, I, I, I couldn't remember if he was still in the Seahawks or not. Yeah, he's he, 13% of the snaps, he got five opportunities. Chris Carson, I'll admit, has been a little bit of a disappointment to me. He just seems to have not found room to run, and he's been fumbling a bunch and that's been a huge problem uh that being said still had three catches for 27 yards and still ran for 60 so it's not like he was awful against the Steelers but he's more in the high-end RB2 range than the RB1 I was thinking he was going to be after that late uh training camp hype uh late preseason hype that he was getting the one thing I will say these wide receivers I think Tyler Lockett is a locked-in wide receiver too that was the usage we anticipated 12 targets for him he caught 10 of them in week two against the Steelers and how about DK Metcalf this guy looks way better than I thought uh, I drafted him in a high stakes leagues thinking eh, I'll stash him for midseason see what happens and he's making an impact already he looks really good out there I think he's a wide receiver three I think he's somebody who's very interesting uh, for DFS purposes um Although you wonder if he'll draw the shadow coverage of Marshawn Lattimore. That's a problem here, especially if they're going to put Tyler Lockett in the slot. Lockett's the better bet. Uh, Metcalf, probably more of a GPP play. And if you are dying at tight end, Will Disley, he scored two touchdowns. Just understand the goose egg is coming, and it's coming soon. But he did score two touchdowns, and Russell Wilson looked his way in the red zone. Oh, oh by the way, Russell Wilson I thought was spectacular against the Steelers. How about... Texans and the Chargers. We'll start with the Texans. More of the same in terms of Deshaun Watson getting beat up and them not doing very much. Yeah, you know, Laramie Tunsil limping off the field. That wasn't good. It looks like he avoided uh, uh, injury here, but that's not good news for Deshaun Watson. And, and look, if not for the rushing touchdown, he would have had one of the biggest stinkers of the week at quarterback after Patrick Mahomes totally torched the Jaguars uh, the week before. Here is the, the, the takeaway I'm going to have from, from the Chargers, uh, from the uh, Texans for this game. The Chargers are three-point favorites. And now, they're on, they're on the road, but the Chargers have no home field advantage whatsoever, so that doesn't matter. But with the Chargers' projected favorites, I think this means it's more of a Duke Johnson game than a Carlos Hyde game. Doesn't mean they're not going to use Carlos Hyde, but I think Duke Johnson's the guy, if the Texans are playing from behind, is going to get more of the opportunities. Last week, it was they were playing from ahead, even though it ended up only a one-point game. The Jaguars are really never a threat to score points. Uh, so Carlos Hyde was the guy ripping off chunks of yardage. 20 carries for 90 yards. Duke Johnson had just six for 31, and he played 39% of the snaps to 61% for Carlos Hyde. I think that changes against a team that could score more points 
the way the Chargers can. I think this is more of a Duke Johnson game. And if I had the choice between the two of them in a lineup, Ross, I would play Duke Johnson this week. Okay, that makes sense to me. Uh, I think we know what the receiver deal is there. Although, do you want to comment on Kiki Kuti and Kenny Stills? Well, Stills is actually the more interesting player to me, and I wish they would use him more, but you have to take into account he's probably still learning the offense a little bit here. His snaps were at 38%. He actually played fewer snaps than Kiki Kuti did. Um, I would I would want still stills is the guy i still prefer to to have on him on my bench but their top two receivers are each played over 90 percent of the snaps that's hopkins and fuller those two guys are absolutely in your lineup before either stills or Kuti even get consideration how about uh, with the chargers on the other side uh play austin eckler there's my advice uh yeah that guy looks spectacular and yeah, Ross, except he fumbled at the goal line and cost me money on the even money podcast oh joe yeah, that's a problem. Uh, he's That is an issue, okay? Maybe they go to Justin Jackson at the goal line, but Eckler can still rip off longer runs. Uh, what was it? Was that a money line bet, Ross, or did you have the Chargers, uh, did you have the Chargers minus the points? Chargers minus the points. Oh, uh, that was one the Sharp guys. Were, like, the Sharp guys love, I think, home teams getting points in week two. They were probably rejoicing about that. But, uh, yeah, this is this one was, was tough. Uh Austin Eckler. And by the way, Ross, that's been a problem. Uh, Eckler has been a fumbler. So consider that. That being said, though, he still went for six for 67 through the air and had 17 and 66 and a touchdown rushing. He's an RB1. You play him each and every week at this point. Um, Houston, look, they gave up they gave up four receptions to Leonard Fournette last week. I think Eckler is going to be just fine. Uh, Justin Jackson's only a flex play. The one thing I will say here. How about Mike Williams? We weren't even sure he was going to play, and he made one of the best catches I've seen uh, in, in quite some time, that diving catch that he made down the sideline. I think he's back on the wide receiver three radar. Would have been really nice. Uh, you mentioned that fumble that Austin Eckler had. Would have been really nice if Mike Williams hauled in a touchdown pass, though he kind of dropped one that went right through his hands. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, let's move on then to the Rams and the Browns. Uh Last night, Monday night, I was on the sideline, and you know Odell Beckham Jr. is Odell Beckham Jr. He's enough said. I got to tell you, the the Browns' offense though still really isn't in rhythm, and Baker Mayfield's not playing all that well, and it's affecting the fantasy stuff for some of his guys. You know, it, it looks like he's kind of just like moving off his spot. It looks like he's not comfortable in the pocket, and uh, look. They traded Kevin Zeitler in the Beckham trade. You, you trade one of your best linemen, that's going to happen. I don't think their offensive line is very good, but I kind of agree with you. It, it feels like Baker is kind of breaking the pocket, and he's trying to make plays on the run. And Greg Cosell has told me this all the time, and I, I've really looked at it. And Baker Mayfield has this reputation, as you well know, as, as a guy who, you know, outside of structure, he's a playmaker. And he can do those things, but I do believe at his best – he is, as you mentioned, a rhythm player who's distributing from the pocket, and he was not doing that last night. No, he really wasn't. So then, other than Odell, uh, and I'm, you know, Chubb's got to be in your lineup. I'm, yeah, I'm he's sure. in your lineup every week. Although it's weird that they pull him out every third down for it to Ernest Johnson. I think. Yeah, to um, Ernest Johnson, Ross D. Ernest. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, that was strange to me because, look, Nick Chubb's a good receiver, four for 36. Johnson got down the field, though, uh, three for 42. Uh, we'll see what happens with Dontrell Hilliard. He missed the Monday night game with a concussion. 
Um, well, we'll see what the, happens with Njoku because he had Njoku, a concussion. Yeah, he, he had a concussion as well. So uh, you're going to have to look elsewhere for a tight end this week, especially coming off a short week. That's going to be very hard for him to get cleared in the protocol. Um, one of the problems for Baker is he was missing his like third down security blanket. Rashard Higgins didn't play in that game. Um, and they had to go to Ratley. Ross, I know you're a big Ratley guy. So uh, they put him in there. Um, but if Baker's not playing well, and he's not distributing from the pocket, that's really going to hurt Jarvis Landry. Because Landry, just three for 32 on seven targets. Landry, I think you you could say throughout his career, a precision player. He's not running, well, they have him running down the field more than the Dolphins did, but he's always been somebody who's kind of have has a timing. He's a feel player. And there's no timing and feel to this offense right now. So Landry is benchable. You're not benching Beckham. You're not benching Chubb. Probably not benching Mayfield just based on where you drafted him, but Landry is eminently benchable right now because, as you said, this offense, there is just something lacking. Totally agree. All right, so then let's get to the Rams on the other side. I, I thought their, Gurley I looked good again, man. narrow fantasy team. Yeah, I, I, I thought Curly, Gurley looked good. How about Cooper Cup, dude? Uh, that was amazing, and unfortunately, uh, I would have won like two more fantasy matchups if they didn't overrule that. But how about those reports coming out in the preseason? Oh, the Rams coaches think he looks faster. Yeah, pfft, okay. Uh huh. You know, I'm glad he's practicing, but is he seriously going to be faster and stronger? Uh, yeah, he does look fast. Look, I don't think anybody. Even if you loved Cooper Cup coming out of Washington, uh, Eastern Washington, I don't think anybody thought he would ever be the type of player who'd be breaking eight tackles on a on a on a play and running people over especially in his second game back from an ACL tear. I love the Rams because they're a narrow fantasy team. Cup is in your lineup. As a matter of fact, this might sound like a hot take. I think I'd prefer him to have him than any of the their other two receivers for fantasy. I'd prefer him to Cooks and I prefer him to Woods. And it just feels like his role is the most steady, the most consistent, and he's the guy that Jared Goff leans on. But the problem I have right now, Ross, I don't think Jared Goff's playing well either. 19 for 28 for 283 and a touchdown. He got a rushing touchdown. But a lot of that yardage came after the catch on that Cooper Cup run after the catch. And I, I the first two weeks, it still feels like Goff's timing and his rhythm, much like we talked about with Baker Mayfield, it looks like it's off for him as well, and that's a concern for me. No, I I, I can see that, man. I kind of agree. Um, let's get to Monday night. I'll be on the sideline again. Bears, Redskins. I guess we'll start with the Bears where, I mean, I think it's official at this point that Mitch Trubisky's not good at football. I, I mean, mean, he just, it so it's bad. ugly. Uh, I'm actually excited to watch this one. Uh, man, the the problem with Trubisky was last year, I didn't think, you know, he looked all that bad. I mean, he had some bad games, but I don't think he was, like, awful. But you're looking at the play calling here in this game between the Bears and the Broncos, and they're calling plays to limit Mitchell Trubisky's impact on the game. And that is a huge concern. The only receiver you can play from Chicago at this point is Allen Robinson. And they have so much more talent than that. Like, could you imagine what kind of numbers this offense would be putting up if, like, uh, Carson Wentz was their quarterback? Uh, or, I'm sorry, Bears fans, I'm sorry to poke the bear. Or if Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes was the quarterback? Because they do have talent. But 
Allen Robinson's the only guy worth playing as a receiver. Uh, you can't play any of these tight ends. Uh, none of them played 50% of the snaps. David Montgomery, that was finally a takeaway. He They, they decided to commit to him, and I think they're going to continue to do that going forward. But Trubisky has reached Sanchez level for me, where like I'm actually excited to watch him to see what cockamamie thing he's going to do next, Ross. I... Like it's it's so bad right now. It's so bad. What about for the Redskins on the other side? McLaurin still keeps doing stuff. No, yeah, he does, and he's he's certainly worth uh, in your lineup, Ross. I, I I'm I'm gonna want a uh, a press box update though. Uh, the FedEx Field press box has the single worst sight lines in all. Of I'm on sideline. I'm on sideline. Fortunately, so you're not gonna even get get in the press box before the game. No, no. Before the game, I'll see it. Oh, yeah, okay. I've been, I've yeah. been there. I, it's, it's, it's really bad. I mean, there's no yeah, way around the it. Sightlines are atrocious. It's in the corner of the end zone and it's low. Well, it's not for TV. It's just for, ra- it's for radio and it's yeah. for uh, the beat writers because they don't value those. They give TV a good spot, but Daniel Snyder's philosophy is, you know, it's a lot easier to sell the other spots for more money. And what does he care where the beat writers and the radio people are? Well, hopefully he invests in the press box food for you at least. Uh, no, so we can they're get uh, they're they're low on the list. Very low. I'm not low. surprised. <laughs> I am in no way surprised by that. Uh, but t- Terry McLaurin, he is somebody worth considering here. And I, I got to be honest, though the Bears are four and a half point favorites, I think that's way more of a reflection of the Bear defense than it is the Bear offense. I actually think the Redskins are going to be able to keep this game close enough that you might be able to use Adrian Peterson, and he is only a game flow type of guy. And you're you're thrilled that he scored a touchdown for you last week. But ter- the, the, my two favorite players from this game, from a fantasy perspective, at least on the Washington side, are McLaren and um, are Chris Thompson, who continues to get it done as a receiver out of the backfield. Case Keenum, no way you're streaming him this week. Even if you lost, uh, even if you lost a quarterback, I'm scared to death of him playing this defense um and i want to see about jordan reed unfortunately this game's monday night it's entirely possible you have to make your decision on if you're going to be playing jordan reed or vernon davis way before this game um if if you have one and not both of those guys so i would probably pick up somebody if you're streaming your tight end from the sunday games instead time flies when you're having fun joe that'll do it looking forward to chatting with you next week my man everybody you can take the information from joe and go right to betonline.ag, use the promo code PODCAST1, get the 50% welcome bonus, and just cash in on Joe's prop bets. If he's telling you what he likes or doesn't like fantasy purposes, you can go ahead and you can get some prop bets in at betonline.ag using that awesome promo code PODCAST1 so that you get the 50% welcome bonus when you sign up for the first time uh that'll do it today we had earlier andrew brant the raw sucker football podcast it's unbelievable how much stuff there is to talk to the former packers executive about every week make sure you go ahead and check that out other than that i'm stuffed we're done Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft, all available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.
You can follow sports through sound bites or the full story. From up in the press box or down on the sidelines. What do, what do you want to accomplish this year? Actually, I want to accomplish getting on this team first. This fall, a new daily podcast brings you closer to the sports stories that matter. Stories about players. A guy like Zion just represents that hope of the failures of the past don't matter because we've got this guy now. Stories about hometowns. You will see hundreds of people wearing number 32 Simpson jerseys uh, in the stands on Sunday afternoons for a Bills home game. And stories about the teams you love. This was the first chance for all those baseball fans to see their guys. From The Athletic, home to the best storytelling in sports. And Wondery, the company behind Sports Wars and Gladiator. I'm Kavitha Davidson. And I'm Anders Kelto. Introducing The Lead. Go beyond the box score, five days a week. This isn't a story where you go to some place and interview the athlete and go home. It stays with you. Are you kidding me? I have never seen anything like that. The Lead is out now. Subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. The Lead. Sports up close. Hey, hey, I need some more of that.